0: Here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Remember, it doesn't matter who signs your paycheck or who puts the direct deposit in your account. You and I are in the full-time ministry, and God has you where you are on purpose. He wants you there. You're reaching people. You're doing things that would never walk through those doors, never turn on Christian radio, but they got to deal with you every day. Amen for that. And they look you in the eye. And you're just this happy, loving man or woman of God. You're the church. You're the church. And be careful. Guard your heart from becoming hard yourself. And then you become unusable and frustrated. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing.
1: Soon football season will be kicking off and if you follow the sport, you know that every player is important to the team from the lineman to the running back, quarterback and kicker. If one doesn't do their job, the entire team suffers. The same is true in the body of Christ. Every member is important and vital. So if you think you're really not needed, well, we aim to dispel that notion today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the midst of a series on the Holy Spirit. Here he is now encouraging us to step into the ministry God has for us. So you have in Romans
0: 12 seven motivational gifts. The number seven is very interesting because in the Bible it speaks of completion or perfection. And I believe those seven gifts have everything to do with what Jesus did when he was on the earth. So those seven gifts operating through us, his body... Then we become the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. This number of, these seven things, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, those were all evident in the life of Jesus as we'll see in our future studies. Then in 1 Corinthians 12, you have the manifestations that come as needed to enhance your spiritual gift. For example, with the spiritual gift of teaching, A teacher needs to be open to the Holy Spirit. They can't just come and just teach their notes. They have to remember that they are teaching on behalf of God to a group of people. And as you're teaching a group of people, you need to be open to the Holy Spirit. And you need to be open to the Holy Spirit might give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for someone. And oftentimes that happens. It happens in in my life, especially if you come to all three services. You can tell, man, that, that was the same message but it was a little different because there are three different people with three different groups in front of me. And even out on the radio, people will hear it somewhere in another state, in Texas or Hawaii or New Jersey, and they'll shoot an email and go, man, that illustration you used was just for me. And you'll leave at times like, how did the pastor know? Maybe you even look to your wife. Did you talk to them about, did you talk to Pastor Ed about our fight this week? And they'll say, no, I didn't. I didn't talk to him. I don't know. Man, that was pretty, pretty amazing that he was spot on on our issue this week, wasn't it? Why? Because the Spirit of God knows. And he may have given me a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. And I shared that with you in some bizarre illustration or just some word. Just like this is going on. And I just share it. I kind of deviate from my notes a little bit. Get back to the pulpit. And yet you walk away going, man, God has just exposed my life through that Bible study. A word of knowledge. You parents, as you're parenting, you need to often pray for a word of wisdom. Because you're dealing with your kids. They look at you. They tell you something. But you need wisdom on how to really take the word and get around some of your kids' defenses, especially as they get older, especially as they start going through these difficult teenage years and puberty and all the feelings they're going through and all the pressure that they're going through. You know, when I'm I'm always reminded of that when we have these baby dedication, these family dedications. Because it's very difficult to raise a child in today's world. It's very difficult to deal with the cultural pressures and all the confusion the world's trying to lop on the kids. All the decisions that are being made at the highest levels of our government authorities that are just designed to mess with kids' heads. That's all. They're just messing with kids' heads. Telling them what bathrooms they can't use and can use. And it's just, it's, it's, it's diabolical, church. It's a diabolical thing. It's not a political thing. It's a diabolical thing because the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy the kids uh, of our homes and of our communities and our neighborhoods. And it's using all, you know, the enemy's using all kinds of things. And you need wisdom, parents, on how to handle your kids. When they were young, you just tell them what to do, and they would do it. They may not like it, but they do it. When they get older, they stop doing it. They might give you some kind of outward, okay, but inward, their hearts are getting hard towards you. And you're their greatest hope to help them make it through this world. You don't want your, you don't want your kids' hearts hard towards you. And yet, at the same time, you want to raise them in the way they should go. So, when they're old, they won't depart. You need a word of wisdom. You need to operate in mercy. You need to ask the Lord to give you a word of knowledge for your kids. As you're praying over your kids, you need to know something that they don't even know about themselves, and neither do you. And you're the voice that's going to speak that into their lives. If you have the privilege of being a part of your grand- grandkids' lives or your great grandkids, they need a word from you from the Lord. And you need to ask that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you words, give you direction. Of course, it will never contradict the scriptures. But sometimes the Lord just impress upon me, you know, one of your kids is sad right now. You need to go upstairs. Just, man, I walk up. Are you doing all right? No, I'm not doing okay. And we get to pray and talk about whatever issue. As you're praying for these things, God will give, he will show up in your life and make himself known to you and use you in your current place. Remember, ministry is not the church building and staff. Remember, it doesn't matter who who signs your paycheck, or who puts the direct deposit in your account, you and I are in the full-time ministry, and God has you where you are on purpose. He wants you there. You're reaching people. You're doing things that would never walk through those doors, never turn on Christian radio, but they got to deal with you every day. Amen for that. And they look you in the eye, and you're just this happy, loving man or woman of God. You're the church. You're the church. And be careful. Guard your heart from becoming hard yourself. And then you become unusable and frustrated. Then Ephesians 4, by way of review, are the four spiritually gifted roles or ministries where these gifts work out to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Like, again, let's say you have the, you have the gift of service. Uh, You know, you just love to serve. And I I mean, there are many people in our churches that just love to serve. That's their gift. They don't want any attention. They don't want any notoriety. They just serve their hearts out as unto the Lord. But people with the gift of service need to pray for a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And this is how. People with the gift of service are very good at saying yes, but not very good at saying no. And what happens when you say yes all the time, because that's your movement, that's your gifting, you will then overcommit yourself. And when you overcommit yourself, you start to get frustrated, you start to get upset, and you may even start to get upset. Like in the church, you start overcommitting yourself. You might even get upset at the people that are overseeing you. Why does Pastor make me do all this stuff? I didn't make you do any of that. You said yes, I just thought you wanted to do it. I didn't make you do it. And then you start getting mad at me or start getting mad at one of the other guys. And, and then you're before you know it, like, well, what would be better is this. When somebody asks you to do something, you say, well, wait a minute, I need to pray about it. Pray for a word of wisdom. Maybe the Lord will tell you, no, don't do that. Don't overcommit. You don't have time for that. You've got this responsibility, that responsibility. You're already doing this. You're already doing it. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the Lord gives you a word of wisdom on when to say yes, when to say no. The Lord gives you a word of wisdom as one of those men and women gifted with service, when to take a break and just rest. The Lord just speaks to your heart, you know, you need a break. Just take a few weeks and go seek me. Just take a rest. Word of wisdom, very powerful. Maybe God wants you as a word of wisdom to go over to so-and-so's house. Maybe God gives you a scripture and God tells you, well, I want you to text this scripture to your friend. Has that ever happened to you? Happens to me all the time. So email it, post it, whatever. I get these all the time. And there'll be times when the Lord gives me a word for someone and I look at the scripture and I'm like, wow, Lord, that is an odd scripture. I would have sent something like, love the Lord with all your heart. You know, I would have said, Sense, but this one, you know, go dig dirt and seek the Lord or something, I don't know, you know, some weird scripture. But I, I obey and, and you send it to him. And then the person comes back and says, why did you send me this crazy scripture? It doesn't have any relevance to my life. And then you get all bummed out. You go, well, I was just obeying the Lord. You know, I was just doing what he told me to do. I'm so sorry if you got offended. I'm so sorry. But then five days later, you get a phone call. And the person on the other end goes, you won't believe this. And you're like, oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. <laughs> why don't you start with I'm sorry? No, I'm just kidding. You don't do that. You don't do that. You say, so you won't believe this. But when you gave me that scripture, I was just like so offended. I didn't understand it. It was kind of, I just, what was that all about? But on Thursday, this whole thing happened and went down in my family and the Lord gave me that scripture and I actually gave it to them in their life and I just want to thank you for being obedient to obey the Lord and his prompting in your life. It's amazing how much the God really wants to move and use us in his church. As he uses these gifts, he manifests himself. He has these roles Remember, the Spirit is the one that distributes these gifts. He's the one that gives the gifts. That means you can't be upset that you don't have someone else's gift. You can't come back and go, well, I wish I had that gift. And I wish I could serve like them. And I wish I could be seen like them. Or, you know, you have the perfect gifting for you in the church, for the church, and for the world. Because a lot of times from the teaching platform here, people will look at me and go, well, I want that gift. I want that gift, because what do you do all week? You just sit up there 45 minutes, and then that's it. You go golfing the rest of the week or whatever. What do you do? I want what you have. Listen, there are times when I don't even want what I have because of the responsibility that the Lord has given to me and the decisions I have to make. I tell you, not everything is easy in the role that I've been given. And I have to make decisions based upon the word of God. I have to make decisions based on the direction of the ministry that can be very, very painful. Or I have to come up here and I have to share some really hard, strong word with you. And there are times when I just wish my gift was hidden somewhere. You know, for many years, I taught the kids in Sunday school behind a closed door, sitting on the floor with them, having a great old time, amping them up with sugar and sending them home with you. That was awesome. (laughs) Nobody ever knew about me. Nobody even cared about me. And I could just study, hang out with the kids, pour into them, love on them, and then go on without very little spiritual warfare. But you know as well as I do, when you have more responsibility to whom much is given, much is required, and you don't want my gifting. You want the gifting that God has for you. And if it happens to be, you know, as, as the Bible describes in 1 Corinthians 12, the church is a body. You know, every member has its part. Every one of you is important to the church. Every one of you is important to the Lord. Some people are mouths. Some people are eyes. Some people are ears. But as the scripture says, notice, some people, according to verse 22, know much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You know, those members of the body that are weaker are those that aren't seen. Man, they are necessary. I think of a couple sisters in our church who became very ill and they're not able to come to church anymore, uh, and they watch online and they spend their time online, but then most of their time, they're spending their prayer closet praying for us. And nobody knows. We don't know how many hours and hours. I think there's gonna be a special place in heaven for those saints that have been praying and praying and praying. How much of happening in our lives have been an answer to their prayers in secret, just them and the Lord. And they're hidden. You know, the most important parts of the body are often hidden. Think of your own body. Most of the important organs in your body are hidden. We call them what? The vital organs. The vital organs. When's the last time you saw your lungs? When's the last time you saw your heart or your kidneys or the spleen or anything else that's in there? Probably with, an, you know, some of you going, well, just an x-ray. Well, we're not talking to you, All right. Because that's what you need. You need an x-ray or an MRI. But most of the part, we don't see them. But I tell you what, we know when they're not working. We feel it. And so does the body. Your gift is perfect for you. For you. That's the best gift you could have in the world is the gift that God gave you because he loves you. And he gave it to you on purpose. For the sake of his church, for the sake of this world. It's so cool. The seven gifts that we're going to look at in Romans... Represent the totality of the ministry of Jesus on the earth today. We're his arms of love, we're his mouths that speak, we're those feet that carry the gospel, we're his body that to do on the earth what he would do if he were still serving people today. And if you don't yet know what your spiritual gift is, you will. Now, there are a couple reasons why people don't know what their gift is. First of all, they don't know what their gift is because they don't know what their gift is. They've never been taught. For some of you, it's the first time you've ever been exposed to a teaching on spiritual gifts. And you just don't know what your gift is. And pretty soon you'll be taught on that and you'll know. And some of you have even started to read ahead and and begin to really dig into the scriptures. It's going to be a beautiful time. Secondly, some people don't know their gift or not sure about their gift because they've used their gift before but have been discouraged in it. Or somebody said, oh, no, like, like that idea of sharing a scripture. And somebody goes, well, why would you share that scripture? Don't share those scriptures with me anymore. And now you're second-guessing that the Lord told you to do that. And because of that second-guessing, you go, well, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to take the safe route. And I just don't want to feel that anymore. And you've been discouraged. Or somebody has really come upon you and go, you know, don't do that. We don't do that here. Ah, okay. And now you don't know. You thought that was what God was doing in your life. And you've been discouraged in it. Another reason, and actually we could do three and four with this some people, you know, they don't know what their gift is, they don't exercise their gift because they're lazy. You're lazy when it comes to the things of God, and you refuse. Or you could also say lazy or disobedient. You just refuse to operate in your gifts, you refuse to obey God, you refuse, as we said earlier, the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. You refuse to see others more important than yourselves. And my heart is beating and my prayer is beating during this time to encourage you to step up and step into the ministry that God has called you to both within this church and outside of this church or in this building and outside of this building that God would use you in crazy ways and we would all get to to experience the fruit of your life. As we step back, you have to realize in this room and all throughout the services, both the service last night, the service first service on Wednesday night, our church is filled with a diversity of an incredibly, wonderfully gifted men and women. That the diversity here is amazing. All the different backgrounds, all the educational levels, all of the families that you came from, all of the trials that you persevered through, everything that you are that makes up the body of Christ and what he's doing in your life. Every person here is uniquely gifted, all tied together. We're not independent of one another. We're interdependent. We depend on one another. The body ministry. Remember we learned earlier that it's not the pastors and the staff that do everything. We do everything. We're the church. We pray for one another, we help one another, somebody's hurting, we, we give food, we give mu- We are the church. We're the church. We're not independent and isolated, but rather we're interdependent. Now with that in mind as we wind down today, you and I here at Calvary, we are a part of a large growing church. This is what a large growing church looks like, what a large growing church feels like, And we have been growing for many, many years. And I believe as long as the Lord's hands upon us, he will continue to build his church through us and among us. He will continue to add daily such as should be saved. And we're a large church. And as I'm teaching, you may hear stories that I share that refer back to a time when we were smaller in size. For example, you may hear me refer to the basement of the Baptist church down on Winston and, and Hampton here in that little neighborhood where we met there where 30 people were gathered on Saturday night. You may hear me refer to the time we rented the shack over on the property at Buckley and Wagon Trail at that Episcopal church there. We used to do midweek Bible study in that little shack. We didn't get to use the church, but they rented us the shack, and we were very grateful for that in that season of ministry. Maybe you'll hear me refer to our times over in New Life when they l- rented us the upstairs of their building. And we used to have Bible study upstairs and we got to use the children's ministry there. Or you might hear me refer to the cafe. We used to have space across the street right next to the theaters there where we had a cafe there. We did men's and women's Bible studies. We had a little small bookstore. We had some church offices there. You might even hear me refer to when the church phone was in my house, right next to my house phone. And I would answer the church phone right there. And you'll hear these stories, but you walked into the church here and you weren't there for the growth. I mean, even in this building, when we moved into this building many years ago, in this room alone, you, some of you remember this, but some of you don't even know that there was a third less chairs in here at one time. When we first moved in here, we were very cautious of how many chairs to put in and how many people might come. So there was a third less chair. That's when they had much more room. You could recline and fall asleep. And those days are gone. Now you're right up on the back of your friends. So meet them, Okay. Meet the ones in front and behind you because we have filled the room. We're at capacity. We've been at capacity for many years now when we have uh, seen the need to add chairs instead of services. And you weren't here, and now you're in a building here where literally thousands of people call our church home, uh, both here on the property and even larger as we reach into our city and to our state and around the country. And, And I love large churches. I was saved in a large church. I was discipled in a large church. I was trained in ministry in a large church, larger than this. And I just love the diversity and all that comes through a collection of many, many saints. But I didn't move to Aurora. You have to understand this. I didn't move here to pastor a big church. That wasn't in my heart. It's not in my heart right now. I moved here because God called me here. I moved here to meet the people of the community and to preach the gospel and love them. That's why I came. And that's the same that, that's, that's what I do. That's my life. That's why I exist. That's why I'm on the planet today. And I want to let God build his church and be careful to cooperate with him. But, but I, don't, I, I don't, I just want to be faithful to what God gave me. That's it. We don't, we, this church didn't grow because we adopted some plan or went to some seminar. We're doing today what we did the very first day gathering together. We sing together, teach a Bible study. Spirit of God moves on your heart. You grow up. We do the work of the ministry. We leave this building. We invite somebody to church. We tell them that Jesus loves them. That's the ministry impacting our community. And, and we happen to be a part of a church that has grown and continues to grow. And, and for that, I'm grateful. But there is a problem with large churches. There's a problem even among our church, I'm sure. And the problem with large churches is We forgot how we got here. We forgot, or some forget, the reality of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. You see, our fellowship grew by the faithfulness of God and everyone thinking, believing, and knowing that they're important. I don't want you to walk in here... You walk in and you kind of see everybody doing something and everybody's active and things are in order and the church is well cared for, which is, which is our heart and goal. We want you to be the best fed, best loved, best cared for flock because we answer to the good shepherd and we're responsible to him. We want things in order. We want things taken care of. We want you to come and worship. We want your kids to learn the Bible. We want an environment that will grow you and strengthen you so you can reach your city. And you might walk in here and go, well, you know, everybodys they got it all taken care of. I'm not needed here. That's not true. I'm not needed here. Maybe you've served here at a time and you're like, well, you know, they seem to be getting on without me. I don't think they need me anymore. That's not true. We need every single one of you. We need more and more of you to step up and begin to serve in your giftings. As the church grows and continues to grow, there seems to be a subtle temptation to shift our thinking. Maybe you have fallen prey to this and the Lord is speaking to you right now. The temptation is to go inward and worry about inwardness. You know, in the school, I remember days after we would get there in the school, we had to set up everything. We'd come into the school, take everything out of the closet, set all the chairs up, all the children's ministry. We'd set up, it'd take hours. We had a whole team of men to do it, so it would take less and less, and we'd fold the bulletins, get them all ready. And then when we would have extra time, there would be times where we would stand at the window in the back, looking out at the parking lot, at the basketball courts, and we would just begin to pray for the people that were coming to church. We were just like, man, I, I hope people come. I hope those flyers, I hope those invitations. Lord, we are so eager to Serve your people. We want them to be here. And we're praying out the back. And there would be times I'd walk down on the other side of Columbia that would look out to, the, I'd go outside where we have a sign there to point to the door and look at that little parking lot and say, Lord, man, I just fill these spaces with people that need to hear the gospel. And, and you know what? When is the last time you walking in from the parking lot, you prayed for an empty parking space, asking the Lord to fill that with somebody who needs the gospel? No, you know what happens with large churches? When you think of parking spaces, the only thing you think is, I better get there and get mine. It's just a reality. It's an unfortunate reality. But you're not really caring about who's going to fill those spaces or who's going to fill the chairs. You know, the longer you come to a church, then you start thinking you own the chair where you're at. And so if you come a little late and somebody's standing there, you're like, and they're like, what's up with you? You're the welcoming committee, and you're like, that's my chair. It's not your chair. You can sit anywhere you want but you care more about your chair than you do that family that maybe just lost a loved one and they came to church for the first time in 20 years. And you know what you'll say? You So I didn't know that. And I would say to you, I know because you've become so inward. I would
1: encourage you when you walk in to be open to a work of the Spirit in your life. Thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace. Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher and the pastor of Calvary Chapel Aurora. Would you like a CD copy of this message or the entire Holy Spirit series? CD copies can be purchased for $2 by calling us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or list it online when it's most convenient at calvaryaurora.org. We've got something we'd like to give you today. They're bookmarks that we've used here at Calvary Aurora, and they highlight the spiritual gifts. This will help you remember what the gifts are, as well as the components of each gift. You can download them from our website at calvaryaurora.org, and they're free. So print out a few extra to give to your friends and family. This month, we picked out a book we think you'll enjoy and ties in nicely to the topic at hand here on Abounding Grace. It's called Living Water by Chuck Smith. In it, Pastor Chuck paints a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. You can experience the refreshing streams of living water filling your life and then flowing from your life to a thirsty world. Learn how this can become a reality as you read Living Water. We'll send it your way when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your giving to the Lord. Call toll free at 877 30 Grace or go online to CalvaryAurora.org. Next time on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will be speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer.
0: This is amazing grace.